Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to all you baseball fans, wherever you're listening right now. Welcome to Diamond Digest, This Week in Baseball podcast. We are on episode one, and I am your host, Jordan Lazowski. We've got a great clue for you today. We're looking forward to recapping last week of baseball and previewing this week, showing you what to watch for, some of the key storylines around the league, and, you know, this week in baseball means we're going to be doing it every week for you. So we're really looking forward to it. Got a special cast to start us out tonight. I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves. Don't all jump at once. I, I guess I'll go first. Um, I'm Jonah. I'm a senior at UCF. I cover mainly the Marlins for Diamond Digest, but I also like writing about fantasy and will write about the Mets occasionally. And just, I actually like writing about sociology and sport also because that was basically my major. So, yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, my name's Diego. I'm a senior at Boise State University. Uh, and I mainly cover the Giants because I'm from California. The Giants are my team. It was great to watch them win those World Series in the early 2010s. And, yeah, I'll cover pretty much anything baseball. Uh, I like math. That's my major. So I like the whole statistical side of it. So that's, that's why I'm here. I'm Callie. I cover the A's and the Padres for Diamond Digest. I am a junior in high school. I don't like math, but I still like the numbers of baseball because it's so unique about baseball. No other sport can be quantified and analyzed like baseball can be numbers-wise. Agreed. And again, I'm Jordan Lazowski. I kind of handle the uh, editing, the day-to-day work on uh, Diamond Digest. I'm a White Sox fan, longtime White Sox fan. Uh, I was a math major. I graduated last year, 2019, from Notre Dame. So we've got a lot of numbers people on this podcast. We're looking forward to bringing it all to you. And we're going to start with a look at the standings. So as you know, Major League Baseball expanded the stand or the playoffs for this year to eight teams per league. So now each of the top two teams from each of the divisions will now be in the playoffs, as well as two at-large teams, depending on their record. If – the league were to stop play today, which it's COVID season, so could happen any yeah. day. <laughs> if that were to happen, your two AL East teams would be the Yankees and the Orioles. In the Central, the Twins and the White Sox would make the playoffs. In the AL West, Houston and Oakland would be in. And the two at-large teams, four AL Central teams in total would make the playoffs. The Indians and the Tigers would round it out. In the NL, the Braves and the Marlins, despite the Marlins only playing three games, <laughs> would take Win the percentage, NLs. baby. Let's go. Welcome to winning percentage at its finest. Can't, can't miss the playoffs <laughs> if you don't play games. <laughs> <laughs> New strategy. Intentionally get yourself impacted once you leave the division. <laughs> <laughs> the Cubs and Brewers would take the NL Central. The Rockies and Dodgers, the NL West. And the two at-large teams, much like two AL Central teams, there would be, or excuse me, four AL Central teams, there would be four NL West teams, the Padres and Giants, those two at-large teams. So, my fellow Diamond Digesters, if that's even a word, I don't know, I made it up. Anywho, your thoughts <laughs> after a week of baseball, I don't know what we are, we're bo- podcasters people, whatever it is. But, we eat diamond. Yes, we eat, no, but anywho. <laughs> After a week of standings, let's get this on track already. After a week of playing, after a week in the standings, 
what are some of your t- key takeaways, whether it's your personal team or whether it's looking around the league? And don't say the Marlins shouldn't play again just so they can guarantee themselves <laughs> a playoff spot because I know someone's thinking it. <laughs> I think I was going to say that. Wild. Oh, oh. I was going to say that about the Cardinals, but so that they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> you can't, no, you can't do it for the Cardinals either. <laughs> On an actual baseball note, I think one thing that's crazy right now is the fact that the Rays are like, they miss. Because the Rays yeah. are a highly talked about team, like being, they're supposed to be the team in the AL East that's like that's supposed to challenge the Yankees. They're sitting right now at four and six with that pitching staff. Like, that's, that's kind of crazy. I'm surprised that the Tigers are as high as they are right now. I mean, they were unequivocally the worst team in baseball last year, but their offense seems to have turned around at least slightly. Doesn't Jacoby Jones have like three or four home runs on the season right now? Something like that. that. So, I mean, you're seeing a team in the Tigers, too, where they're just getting unexpected – well, not necessarily unexpected contributions, but when you sign guys like C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope, like you're going to get – to be a better, better? team. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get better just by doing stuff like that. It, it's an odd thought for rebuilding teams. Um, Fulmer, but at the same time, he gets back too. Sorry? Isn't Fulmer back too? Yes, Michael Fulmer has been making um, some sort of appearances for the Tigers. I believe he's been limited on his innings, obviously, he, uh, coming back from surgery. But Tommy he, John. Mm-hmm. He was limited. He was limited in his first start. I think he's scheduled in the next couple of days for a second. So, I mean, you're seeing that. You're starting to see a team where, you know, they don't necessarily have expectations. You probably expect them to fall off, much like the Orioles, but that's kind of the fun of a 60-game season. For sure. Those no expectations mean they good. can know. Yeah, no I expectations mean. expectations means they can only be surprising. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And honestly, similar to the Rays, um, I, everyone expected to, the Braves to be good, but like, I don't think anyone was expecting them to run away with the division, but the Nationals and Mets just have not looked good so far this year. <laughs> well, with the Nationals, too, you're seeing a team without its star with Juan Soto, and you're seeing a team with a lineup that now looks very pedestrian, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they were hit hard with free agency in the offseason. With- I mean, they did. Losing Rendon is a tough loss. I mean, yeah, you were, kept your pitching staff, but... Yeah, they were I mean, the team like, that gained Rendon isn't doing much better. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. The poor the Angels. Angels have been awful. Yeah. I mean, the Angels are one team that's... that's you look at that pitching staff and you're like, okay, I can understand. Mm-hmm. If you don't have Otani, which we'll get into, if you don't have a consistent canning, which, I mean, canning is like pretty good, but after that, it's Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy. Julio <laughs> <laughs> Tahiran. Right. If you're relying on those names, what, what do you expect? Now, here's an interesting question. Having Mike Trout just had his kid. Bat. Yeah, Bat. Beckham <laughs> Trout. Honestly, Beckham it. Trout is the legendary name. That's yeah. the legendary name. <laughs> but having yeah. a kid... It's an interesting question. At what point does it almost not become worth it for him to come back and play? It's, it's a serious question, given the environment mm-hmm. we're going in. Yeah. He doesn't want to necessarily expose himself to COVID, and he's doing it on a daily basis. It becomes an interesting question. The uh, Angels are now, I think, what is it, 3-7 and seven after their loss today, 3-6, and six, whatever it is. 
three and seven. At what point does it not feel worth it to come back? At what point you're like, this is a lost season. I'm making three hundred million dollars plus. Whatever chump change I make this year really isn't worth it to me. But even without Trout, that offense still has good potency with MVP candidate David Fletcher, uh, <laughs> Justin Upton, Otani, and Rendon. That's a very good one through four part of the order. Uh, yeah, the back yeah. half, though, not really well, good. It's, it's also not in the back half. Their bullpen has just been abysmal. Mm-hmm. That's they've, awesome. won, sure. they've won like five four days out already. Of five. Yeah. Four out of five. I think uh, <clears throat> if I were Mike Trout, I think you just don't come back. Period. I, I was I wasn't expecting him to play. To be honest, that <laughs> same. The fact that he started playing at all was like I'm like oh, cool. We get to see more Trout. But I think, the, especially just having the kid in the midst of everything that's going on, and because he plays for the Angels, where L.A. and Anaheim are kind of an epicenter, it's not worth it. Like at least I don't think it is. For sure. And honestly, I'm of the opinion that as much as I would love a season, I think all players should put their safety first for the year. I mean, yeah, you're getting to a point where it's like, if you, if you have a pregnant wife at this point, I'm not sure I would be willing to come back and risk it, especially knowing my team has gone three and seven to start this season. And that's already one sixth of the way through. Do you really yeah. want to put your family under the potential stress of our information, like Eduardo, uh, sure. the pitcher from Red Sox, Scott, or a 104-degree fever like Freddie Freeman got? Right. It, it's difficult it's to say. Yeah, it's difficult to sit here and say, yes, baseball definitely takes precedent for me. I, I wouldn't expect anyone to say that in a season like yeah. this. And I think maybe the most surprising name of the opt-outs was Izan Diaz just because he needs the season to, like, prove himself. But, like, he put himself first, and that was super surprising. Yeah. Good for him, honestly. I mean, you never look back at any of these guys and say, I, I feel they shouldn't opt out. Like, yeah. that, that, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the fact that we get a season, the fact that we're doing this podcast, doing all our writing, that, that's the fun of it. And we're lucky to have that right now, but it's not something I necessarily think we should expect. Yeah. Yeah. What about on the NL side of things? I mean, Diego, you've got a Giants team that's rebuilding right now and has found itself in the midst of an eight-team playoff. Yeah. It's (laughs) fun. I don't know. It's – I mean, like – I mean, in the season preview article I wrote for the Giants, I was like, if if they're – 30 and 30 at the end of the season, consider that a major win. And through a sixth of the season, they're five and five. They're on pace. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see the team in such a weird situation actually performing way above expectations. Because five and five against uh, the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Rangers, like, that's fairly – like, that's pretty decent, I'd say. Like, we split the series with the Dodgers to start the year – like two and two, like that was not expected by anyone around the league at all. I don't even think the Giants players expected that, but what we got. So, I mean, it's fun to see how much is now possible with a season that's so weird. I think the it's a good Giants point. are a really interesting team, especially with what they're doing with their pitching. You know, Hughes and Drew Smiley both as a starter and in relief. I, I Same think with Kevin Gosman. Mm-hmm. I think their strategy is one 
to keep an eye on and one we might see adopted uh, in a similar way to how some teams adopted the opener strategy that the Rays use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> the Giants only have two concrete starters in Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja. And the way Samarja's been pitching, I don't know how long he's been. <laughs> but Cueto definitely sees try it out every five games. But the sure. they've done, they've handled their pitching. Like it's been far above the, my expectations. And I'm sure the rest of our fan base and even the rest of baseball. So we'll see how it continues if the league catches on or if how they because there's no predictability to that bullpen so or like the starters even so tomorrow their game it's still TBD like we probably won't get a starter until like six hours before game time. Yeah, and also yeah. I can see a team like the Angels. You said they were having bullpen struggles. Maybe they could adopt the, uh, a strategy of letting uh, a reliever go three to start the game, someone like maybe Cam Bedrosian, let him go three, let, say, Dylan Bundy go three on, like, two or three days rest, and then someone else go three. I, I was surprised the Twins were doing that with Tyler Clifford. I had no clue he was being used in the starter role I, until I just earlier noticed that today. today. Yeah. I had no clue Tyler Clifford was a twin until right now. <laughs> I, I think you're going to see more teams do that, though. It's You're going to get desperate at some point during the season. The Twins are a great example of a team that after their front two guys, maybe even front three, if you count Kent Maeda, which I think you should, yeah. you, you're, you're struggling to say, I feel comfortable throwing Rich Hill and Homer Bailey out there every fourth and fifth day, and then saying at the same time, I want this team to win the division. So I, I think you're going to see more of that, and you kind of, Callie alluded to it, Diego, you've kind of alluded to it, even Joni, you have too, the opener strategy being mm -hmm. something that hopefully more teams adopt. I think speaking mm -hmm. from a personal perspective, the White Sox are a huge team that yeah. I think there's a lot of inconsistencies, concerns with the rotation. It's a very young rotation that could possibly benefit um, from what has been for them, at least so far, a pretty stellar bullpen. Um, yeah. For like Aaron Bummer out and then have Dylan C follow him for right. three or four innings. Exactly. Doing something that feels a little bit different, a little bit odd, but also fits how odd and different this season is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I think I the think, speak for themselves and the how odd and different the season is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you have four teams from two different divisions potentially making up the playoffs, that, that's a pretty huge um, deal Shock. we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, I was surprised to see that. Also, where it stands, I think the consensus Diamond Digest rankings, four out of the five bottom teams are all currently playoff teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did a great yeah. job, clearly. Yeah. Hey, I was so high on the Giants. Higher at CSPN. I, I rated the Marlins as high as I could. <laughs> was that 29? No, I, it, was like, it was like 23. I'm pretty sure like 90% of our writers who had participated in that power ranking had the Tigers at 30. Yeah. Or uh, Orioles or Mariners at 30. Tigers somewhere. <laughs> Down there. Yeah. Right there. Giants, Marlins. Then again, we're also only 10 games in, for not even for every team yet. So mm -hmm. there's plenty of baseball yeah. left. But through the first portion, six of the season here, things are already so strange. Yeah. But keep it strange. Keep it fun. Keep it interesting. Yeah. Keep it That's what it comes down fun. to. If some I team think... sneaks in, let it happen. I think this, 
this year will be written down in history books for a lot of different reasons that baseball is usually go into the history books, and I think that's a good thing. Can't wait yeah, for the thirty for thirty on this. <laughs> the thirty for thirty. Kyle, are you directing it? Pitch it now. God no. <laughs> pitch, the idea, pitch the idea now and cash in on it. <laughs> Let's talk about COVID again, though. I, I think it's important to really recognize it. And Kelly, I'll turn it over to you because you're the one who's built out this list of all the players. I mean, you can even just name some of the notable names here. I know Ryan we've talked Zimmerman. about it, and I think it's worth at least reading off some of the names and saying, hey, you know, you're not seeing these guys for this reason, um, whether it's not that you're a fan of this team or whether it's you're just a baseball fan. You might not know these players are missing. So I think, Kelly, if you want to read off just some of the more notable names, I mean, they're all notable in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but kind of give people a sense, you know, where, where the league is at and just for the respect of all these players who are, I mean, not just the players who are on the field every day taking the risk, but also those who have decided that there are risks back at home that far outweigh any risk they're willing to take on the field. Yeah. Uh, today, Jonas has opted out. Uh, very strangely yeah very strangely uh but i think what's very notable about this list is it's all mostly established players which i think is really heartbreaking because you have those in between players you know those guys who are just waiting for their opportunity to break out to get consistent playing time they might be forced to play in an uncomfortable situation because it's either this or potentially never make the majors at all. So a list of players who have opted out, it's Cespedes, Mike Lee, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, Ian Desmond, David Price, Tyson Ross, Felix Hernandez, Buster Posey, Michael Kopech, Jordan Hicks, Cole Stewart, Lorenzo Cain, and Isan Diaz. Like, the only real non-major players on that list are Joe and Tyson Ross and Cole Stewart and Isan Diaz. And, you know, you bring up All a couple the other good players points are in there. relatively well-known. Yeah. And, I mean, you bring up a couple good points in there. It's a lot of non-established guys are going to play because they know this might be my only chance to really get my name out there. But at the same time, you have guys like Isan Diaz and Michael Kopech who are giving up a year of service time because, like, we talk yeah. nothing – we or we talk endlessly about the importance of service time and how you want to start your clock as soon as possible so you can finally get to that free agency. Kopech's going to be – yeah, Kopech's going to be, like, 25, I think, next year. He, so either way, he's a year older, and he's still got to go six more years after that. I mean, sure, yeah. as a fan of your favorite team, White Sox fan here, you're like, hey, I get more years of this guy. But you also have to think of it as you, you're giving, as a player, you're giving up your chance to reach free agency earlier. I mean, that's yeah. a serious risk that these guys got to take into consideration along yeah. with it all. I mean, it, it is not a favorable position to be put in when you're deciding not to opt out. Yeah. One interesting note about that, and it comes, it doesn't really talk about service time, but more career accolades. Martinez was opted out and he opted back in, and he is a guy you can argue is borderline Hall of Fame. Yeah, you so, have some pretty certain Hall of Famers in that list, and Hernandez, well, he might not be as served uh, 
classified as Posey, but Posey's a definite Hall of Famer. Yeah. So you're seeing guys who could either help or hurt their case, just deciding yeah. not to play. And I think Vado is a definite Hall of Famer, but he I wouldn't be surprised if he opts out because he just contracted the virus, supposedly. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, you're starting to see more and more names going down. I mean, Lorenzo Cain just recently decided to opt out. At no yeah, point is this... Yeah, Cespedes too. At no point is this necessarily going to stop. Yeah, I think if yeah. anything, it ramps up. Because you see guys there a couple weeks in, they've like assessed the risk in real time. And yeah. guys like Lorenzo Cain, they're like, hey, I've seen how things are going around the league. In our organization, I'm not about it. I'm going that way. Like, uh, I think that the Mar- the Marlins outbreak as well as Cardinals outbreak might have been a wake-up call to some that the league isn't as safe as it's projecting it is. Right. Well, that's an interesting point, too, because if the rumors are true, the Cardinals were out at a casino and the Marlins were out at a club in Atlanta. I don't know what the nightlife is like in Atlanta, but apparently it's good enough to risk the threat of it's COVID. Pretty, it's pretty good. Apparently it's pretty good. Johnny, <laughs> you might have some experience down there or something. <laughs> and I think, shockingly, the Marlins got news about the positive tests and then elected to continue to play a game that day against the Phillies. Yeah. yeah. So it, it speaks to two things. It speaks to how safe the league is. And it's a really interesting point because it's not necessarily the protocols that are in place. We could ar- argue protocols all day. And, you know, we all assumed it was probably going to be a breakdown of um, the protocols not being strong enough that really ended this league for the year. But at this point, we're starting to see that it's just a blatant disregard for the protocols. That's really hurting the league yeah. right now. And, it, and it's not so necessarily not safe, as you're mentioning, Callie, because of the protocols the MLB's put in place, but because of the players' lack of willingness to abide by them. Well, I'm and, also mostly shocked that there wasn't a protocol in place that said, don't play a game if you have a player infected with COVID and yeah. players have been right. exposed to COVID very recently. I mean, it comes back to that, too. It's... If you're not going to follow what's been put in place for you, and if you're not going to make smart decisions as a team, as an organization, as a league, this is going to end sooner than any of us think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know it's under investigation, but assuming the investigation comes up with the same things as the rumors, I definitely think there will be some form of punishment for at least the Marlins, and if it's true about the Cardinals, probably the Cardinals also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think something interesting to think about as well is you bring up like it's more so the players not following these rules. Could it be that maybe players in the Mets and the Brewers are blatantly disrespecting these rules too? And that's why you have a guy like Kane, the guy like Zespin is opting out. It's because they're watching their teammates just blatantly disregard the rules. And they're like, hey, you guys are dumb. I'm going to go look out for myself now. If everything was like still in place and everyone was following these rules, you think they might have stayed? Something like it, it brings up like yeah. certain ideas, like maybe this is a possible reason for things like these continue. Yeah. yeah, and when I like read the new protocols, I assumed that it would be mandatory, like in the KBO, and everything would look like the KBO because that worked. They have fans again, yeah. but 
Well, I we mean, also had a nation that followed protocol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, a whole different issue. Yeah. Yeah. It speaks to, you know, just how divisive and how unfortunate the situation has become with dealing with COVID. Then mm-hmm. you're seeing teams and players, if the rumors are true, again, we have to keep that in mind, not putting their the, the league's best interest even at heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't sit here and try and claim I know anything about being a Major League Baseball player, but at the same time, you know, reading it as we went out and we did this in this city, that doesn't look good no matter what justification you have for me. Um, and, and, I mean, it's those optics and, God forbid, this league ends early of having this canceled because players were going out and making blatantly poor decisions that, yeah. you know, blat- that just blatantly disregarded protocols. Already with MLB's um, fan base on the fritz a bit. Right. If you're the only major sport to start up and cancel, NFL will never lose fans, let's be honest. Yeah. NFL could not play this year, no one would worry. College football, same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. If baseball is the only major sport to start up and cancel, it- it's not a good look. And it's something we talked about back when there were all these arguments over uh, restarting. Like the longer these arguments drag out, no matter which side of it you're on, no matter how long these arguments drag out, no matter how long, no matter what side of it you're on, no matter how long they're doing this for, it looks bad every day the league can't come to a conclusion. Yeah. Uh, The league might also be at fault for the league not, uh, coming to a conclusion because they were the because they decided to not implement a bubble situation like you see with MLS, the NHL, the NBA, Formula One even has their own sort of thing where they're uh, running back to back races at circuits so they can stay more in a bubble. And the problem with that though is too, they tr- they thought about the Arizona plan, the Arizona slash Florida yeah. plan. Players Association, association didn't. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. even the idea of a bubble, the Players Associ- Association didn't want it. it it's yeah. something that, you know, and now you're seeing maybe why, as these players try and go out and enjoy their time, that they didn't want to be stuck in the bubble, no matter where it was, no matter if it's a hot spot or not. I, I think it's interesting to try and really figure out, you know, if you could press the do-over button, what would you do differently? And, and I, I think that... Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you can argue Absolutely. whether or not you'd want to have a season, whether or not th- the, you should have come back as soon as you did, whether or not protocols were right at the same time. Y- you want to avoid as many sort of situations like this where the narrative is no longer what's going on on the field. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But you don't want of, to be the deciding factor on who makes the playoffs and who wins the World Series. Yeah. Who stayed healthy? You do not want. Well, more than it usually is. No doubt. Yeah. More bu- more beyond, like, avoiding UCL injuries and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're about to get into this between... Yeah. Speaking of... Uh, Sweet trend. People who, yeah, don't necessarily uh, regret decisions, but also some who might be regretting the decision to start up the season as quickly as they did. We've got a Mookie Betts gigantic extension. And a whirlwind of pitcher injuries that, you know, between 
the shortened season and the quick turnaround time did not oh, necessarily help them. But yeah. we'll start with the Mookie yeah. Betts extension. 12 years, $365 million. More money than I could ever imagine needing. More money than I could ever imagine what to do with it. Los Angeles Dodgers do not regret, likely, trading yeah. for Mookie Betts. Diego, I'll start with you. You're the Giants fan. You're about to see Mookie <laughs> Betts for the next 12 years. Torturing Too many your team. 12 years. <laughs> There's a no trade clause in the contract, isn't there? Yeah. No trade clauses can be waived. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, good for Mookie. Like, that's – he's proven – I think he's earned it. He's a hell of a player in Boston. I mean, but, like – as a Giants fan, like I respect the hell out of Mookie. Like he did, he's been doing good things. He's a great ball player, but also like I don't want to see him for twelve years. Like, <laughs> the biggest thing you can most. say that shows how much you respect him. Exactly, yeah. but yeah, like I, I think these large contracts are always like just mind-boggling. It's when they get bigger and bigger. Uh, but I mean, he's a great player. Assuming he can stay healthy, but I don't know. I mean. Come the end of this contract, age thirty nine season, like Mookie, what are you? What are you gonna do with Mookie then? Like, uh, I mean, when the universal DH inevitably becomes a thing, which I don't want it to be either because I'm an L baseball fan. <laughs> but, uh, I think, I mean, if his bat holds like as well, I mean, it's not like he's like the most like dazzling offensive player either, but he's a solid player all around. And like, if his defense inevitably uh, regresses over twelve years, which it should, and if it doesn't, he's just superhuman and deserves all the money in the world. But it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, like I'd say seven, eight years down the road. But for those seven or eight years, he's going to be trouble in the NL West. And hopefully the Dodgers continue their World Series woes because I enjoy watching that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Mookie is not going to age as well as someone like, say, Mike Trout, for instance. Because he isn't as good as a, of a power hitter, and he doesn't walk as much. And your eye is one of the things that will age best, as well as power. But your foot speed and your ability to turn balls hit into play into hits, that's going to diminish fairly quickly once you pass third, once you turn past 30. And that's a pretty major part of Luki's game. Let me just quickly hook up what his career BABIP is right now. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like three, three or something. BABIP Warriors fan in you is coming out right now. I can feel it. <laughs> At least with mine, it's like he's a Dodger, so I don't like him. That's, just, that's oh, it's a... only a career three, 314 BABIP. Only. Only? Yeah, like what? <laughs> only 314. But yeah, but he only has a career walk rate of 10.2, which is not ideal. Yeah. I mean, I... I mean, compared to Trout, who has a 20% walk rate. Comparing anyone to Trout is unfair to the other player. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, like, my baseball has been one track NL East, and I haven't paid that much attention. I knew he was a superstar in the make, like, in the making now as a superstar, but like I'm starting to realize just how good he is. And also like Callie, don't kill me for being a bit more old school here. <laughs> um, I do love that. He's like a great defender, great on the base pass. And I think that 
that's the real value is like one of the bigger values that doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah, his defense is stellar. Combining him it's with incredible. Cody Bellinger is just unfair. Yeah. <laughs> like the throw he had a couple of days ago, um, where he threw out oh, I don't remember who had third base. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. In right field. Three, like, three fifty on the dime. Yeah. yeah. Like that's gonna stick around for at least the next five or six years. I yeah. mean, if you're a team like the Dodgers, you can afford the rough back end of a contract. If you're a if team you're like the Dodgers, you yourself. can afford period. You can just afford yeah. things. Maybe the uh, Mets will give up a good prospect for the back end of this contract also. <laughs> Broadly, honestly. <laughs> but at the same time, you got to look at Mookie and think, you know, given the COVID situation, given how owners have been about how much money they're anticipating losing or telling us they're anticipating losing, there was no way Mookie Betts was getting anything like this on the open market. I think he recognized that early. I think the Dodgers yep. recognized that early. And good Absolutely. on the Dodgers for making sure they kept their superstar in right field. Mm-hmm. Was smart, and yeah. thank God they're in the NL because I, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I did not like I Mookie Betts on the Red Sox. I was okay never having to face him ever again, except in the potential World Series. I mean, I will say, in the opening series against the Giants and Dodgers, Mookie didn't do that well. Just just put that out there. A lot of superstars, including Mookie, have gone off to a slow start, but Mookie's starting to find his bat. Yeah, I'm just going to happen after the Giants. I think, it's just, I think it's everyone is, everyone's rusty, honestly. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. And, That's why you I mean, have weird guys at the top of the, like, the war list and all the leaderboards. Yeah. Yelich is dead bottom. <laughs> <laughs> And I think even as you talk about slow starts and something we had just talked about, what's going along with a lot of slow starts for a lot of players is a ton of injuries. Yeah. Because if you think about the slow amount of time, or excuse me, the low amount of time players have gotten to get ready, it's two and a half weeks, two and a half, three weeks versus six weeks in a usual spring training. Mm -hmm. Now you've got three pretty major guys, Justin Verlander out with a forearm strain. He's telling everybody he's being reevaluated. There's – Reports from the Houston Chronicle saying, yeah, he's done for the year. That's a situation to evaluate. Corey Kluber out for four to six weeks with shoulder tightness. Four to six weeks doesn't sound like a lot until you realize that's a month of a two-month season. That's half the season. Right. And then today, just now, I mean, literally right before we started recording this podcast. Literally like five minutes before we started. We had news come across that Shohei Otani – has, is getting an MRI for discomfort in his pitching arm. And that was all that was said. Yeah. And, I mean, you saw it today, if you watched some of the videos, for a dude who usually hits 99-100, it was up there at 93, 94. Yeah, 93, yeah. 94, 95. I mean, I've seen enough pitching injuries to know a drop-off about five, six miles an hour isn't a good thing. Even if you're still hitting 95, if you're used yeah. to hitting 99, that's not a good thing. And it Absolutely. wasn't like only today. He it, he mm-hmm. hits these numbers in his opening start where he didn't even record an out. Yeah, I mean he just hasn't looked great, and I I, I yeah. wondered if he just wasn't ready. I mean, coming off of Tommy John surgery, and, and having, then the slow ramp up. Yes, and normally yeah. have exactly. a month ramp up. Exactly, yeah. it's the difference in the ramp up. I think. I mean, these are all veteran guys. Or excuse me, two of these guys are veteran guys. Otani's yeah. Considered a veteran guy, given that he played overseas. and He's veteran to baseball. Yeah, he's, he's veteran yeah. to baseball. These are veteran-type players who are out with injuries. Like, this is no – this should not come as a surprise. These yeah. are guys who have played 
multiple years in the league and are used to getting six weeks to ramp up after a three, four month layoff. That's exactly what this was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, that might be what you go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> oh, fine. Someone I'll, go. Go. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Um, I just think it points to the overall trend. It, it definitely seems like a lot of players, not just superstars have been getting injured early, especially Absolutely. like the younger guys. Like, there seems to be a lot more injuries for the first two weeks of a season than there normally would be. Going back to the talk that Jordan had about players being used to the very long run, I think that also might be what's wrong with Kimball. He's had back-to-back off-seasons where he's had a slow ramp up, first due to taking forever to sign with the team in free agency, and now because of the COVID business. And I think that's might be why he can't find the strike zone. It's the beard. I think it's the beard. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's got this real thought out argument. Nah, it's the beard. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right, though. Because, like, even in a a non-COVID season, a non-weird season, Kimberl takes forever to sign, has a rough year. And, like, back-to-back years where it happens again, he's had a rough start to 2020. Like, it's... Beard aside, like he's like his pitching's been subpar at best. Yeah. And yeah. the problem for a lot of these guys too is gonna be I mean, they're already talking about Kimbrell not being a closer for the Cubs. If if you're a team with playoff aspirations, I mean look at what happened to Fulton Everett with the Braves. Oh yeah. yeah. If you're a team with playoff aspirations in a sixty game season, that's not gonna fly. Not yeah. at all. And, and, it's, and it's only a detriment to them because it might not be something they personally did. It might not be a lack of talent. It might be a lack of ability to prepare for the season. Yeah. It, it, it's a worrisome season for those reasons, too, where, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing guys dropping like flies. And for those that are still in and struggling, it might just be because they're not ready yet. Yeah, I mean, they also I might be pressing too hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially and with, with like, the and with the shorter leash that players are getting. So you ha- you're pressing because the season's short and you need to get off to a hot start. And then right. you're pressing because you're not doing well, so you need to succeed, otherwise you're gonna be riding the bench. So you're pressing even more and that just leads to even more struggles. It's a hmm. it's a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I also like in a season, in a season that's uh especially with pitchers, like a starting pitch especially, I mean, one start is worth, I'd say, three times more. Because one win in this season is three seasons. 3.7? That seems like a too high of a number. I think it's 2.7. 2.7. 2.7, that's what I meant. I'm like, 3.7, that, there's not that many. I, I do math every day. That's not, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but like, it's worth so much more. That's why you see someone like Fulton Elledge, like, just gone. Guy like Kit Kimbrell, oh, a couple bad, uh, like bad uh, outings, demoted from closer role. Like it's yeah. this leash is so short for pitching. Like and it yeah. is for batters too, but like pitching especially. Like I, I'm curious if there's anything in the new protocols that like is affecting their routines also because if they're not getting their normal work throughout mm-hmm. the week, it could also be contributing. And like, like, I, something. Something I haven't thought much about, but like usually they're at the ballparks every day pitching a few more times, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. the protocols are trying to have that limited. 
yeah, you might not be able to throw as many bullpens or stretch out as long as you normally do spending less time at the ballpark on game days as you usually do. Yeah. I think something interesting, like today I was watching the Giants-Rangers game, and something that the Giants broadcasters had brought up was, like, game flow. And the fact that um, something I know with people, like, making a lot of, like, jokes about it on Twitter, like how pitchers like, get the strikeout, you don't get to do your strikeout strut around the mound. Mm-hmm. But, like, just game flow, like the rhythm of the game, like that's probably got to have some sort of effect on pitching especially because they were talking about it because that's two former players in the Giants broadcast booth and Kuku Kite, like they like, recognized how like important, like even like a minor shift like that can be. So like something so small can have such big implications over time because it's just how the game's been. It's you grow up playing 20, 30 years of baseball. This is how it is. And when it changes cold turkey all of a sudden, it's just throws your entire existence off. Yeah. One good thing that has come from all of this, though, you know, with the expanded rosters and you never want to say good things come from injuries, but some positive signs between – Sick transition. Some of the – thank you. I'm getting good at this. It's like I've done this before, right? Yeah. You know, with these extra roster spots and you need some guys has been a lot of call-ups around the league. A lot of guys you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in this season. Some you you wouldn't. Just a little bit of a list here. Luis Robert started with a team. He signed a big contract, so he was going to start. Nate Pearson, Tyler Stephenson, Evan White, Brady Singer was a huge surprise, along with uh, Chris Bubik. Another one for yeah. the Royals, who I would not have anticipated seeing. Mm-hmm. Nick Magical, David Peterson with the Mets, Carter Keyboom, an expected one, but still a role to play. And Jordan Weems, a converted catcher. These are He might a have group not even names. made the uh, bullpen if it wasn't for the expanded roster. He might have started the season in AAA. Right. You're looking yeah, at a lot maybe. of these names and a lot of teams, even with players not on this list, Yeah, just getting chances to – Make a mark in these two weeks while rosters are still at 30. You can make an argument MLB might decide to expand this 30-player roster longer. I think that's a legitimate case that might be coming up as we get close to the two-week mark, is will we decide to maybe not decrease it to 28 so quickly, or maybe we'll keep it at 28 for the year, whatever it might be. I think that's an interesting decision to come up with. Another one, um, Casey Mize was rumored to be coming up at some point for the Tigers. These are interesting names that, you know, with no minor league season, especially Brady Singer. Brady Singer was the one that jumped off the map for me. Absolutely. With no minor league season, whatever they're doing off on their taxi squad workouts, that that does nothing for them. That that's a season of lost development. So you can either choose to lose a season of development, or you can choose to lose a or a year of service. I think what you're seeing with a lot of these teams, and it's, it's kind of nice to see, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. is prioritizing the year of development over the year of service time. Because Brady yeah. Singer is not necessarily major league ready, though he has pitched well. He looks Chris good. Bubik yeah. has never pitched above high A, and he's in the major leagues right now. Yeah. Like th- these are unprecedented times, but they're also making these types of decisions. Jordan, to your point, there's definitely, I think, a lot of these teams making the correct decision to get the extra year of service time. But I also think that there are a few taxi squads um, that this might not that might benefit more from more so than other teams because like the Tigers they brought they're going to bring up Mize they're going to lose their mm-hmm. um, their prospect bats facing against it um, the Royals with Singer and Bubik 
I think, I mean, the Marlins, they still have to fix, the Marlins prospects still have to face Sixto in the minors, um, even though I do mm-hmm. expect him to maybe get a shot this year, especially with everything going on. They well, still have to face, say, start playing again. Well, they're supposed True. to play on Tuesday. Um, they still have to face Yamamoto. So I think that, mm-hmm. to your point, like, they should go for the development, but there are teams that still may be able to get some development in their taxi squad. Oh, yeah, I'm not necessarily saying, but, but at the same time, you can't... It's just not the same. It's not the it's, same, right. You can't yeah. replicate that in-game scenario, those, you know, you probably yeah. have a pretty detailed Pressure. scouting report on your own guys. I get what you're saying, though, Jonah. Like, it's a valid point that there are still enough good arms in a lot of these taxi squad rosters that you feel you're getting quality at-bats on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah. so I do see the reasoning for putting... Um, some of your top prospects who aren't ready, I can speak from the White Sox perspective, Garrett Crochet, Garrett, Jared Kelly, two guys they just signed, or excuse me, just drafted, are on their taxi squad. Yeah. Something's better than nothing for a lot of these guys. Yeah, for so sure. I, I totally get where you're coming from with this. And I think even like to that point, like you're going to see a lot more guys in the next week here coming up because you still do have teams playing that service time game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's like the Giants, like – a lot of guys expected Joey Bart to be up right away at the start of the season because he looked great in both spring training and summer camp, left off the roster to start the season. But once you get like uh, past that service time date for this year, like you will, I think you can expect a lot of guys to jump up to the major league level. Yeah, Gavin Lutz. Yeah, Gavin Lutz, I want to talk about. He's not That's on a good the Especially. It's surprising. Big name. Dodgers yeah. don't necessarily need him, though. Absolutely. No. Keep him in the minors. Trade him away. <laughs> Trade, Trade him to the Red Sox. Send the Kike instead. I mean, that team is just a baseball factory. But at the same time, it's a good yeah. point. Like, Lux is still down. Nate Pearson, they were pretty explicit about, we're planning no. to call him up on this day, and that just happens to be the day he's going to make his start. And that just happens to be the day after which time. we get service time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there are teams who do a better job of it than others. Monty um, finally being freed. The free Monty right. campaign has won. <laughs> Succeeded. <laughs> so it's like some teams are better than others with it, but at the same time, you are still seeing teams doing it. But now yeah. that we're past that date, it's almost like you have to find the best day to create a reasonable scenario that says – we weren't playing service time games while acknowledging as fans that you absolutely were. And that's probably what's happening with Mize because the rumors were for today, but I, and it also could be the rain delays out in, mm-hmm. uh, in Cincinnati and Detroit. But Mize was supposed, was rumored to be called up today. So it might, it very well might be service time. I mean, he might come up tomorrow. They'll just say, Hey, new series. We want him to start out with the team. Tomorrow, when we start a fresh new series, new team in the ballpark. Like, want him like an actual nine inning game? Right. Hey, yeah. we want him to play during a nine inning game, something like that. Like, <laughs> Normalcy for a debut as possible. Is probably- like, you, you're going to see teams say crazy things, and it's because you can't outright say we are manipulating service time. Because like, then it's back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. You, and now, this, yeah. I have an interesting question here before we move on from this because I'm, I'm curious. White Sox fans in general get pretty upset with Rick Hahn, who's the GM, um, over what he says about playing service time games. So Nick Madrigal is a great example. 
Uh, they said this. He said when Nick Madrigal didn't make the team, this team is better with Larry Garcia for X Y Z reason. Fans were up in arms over it. He came up to start this series with the Royals, as a lot of you probably know. Um, and again, it's clear service time manipulation. Yeah, I'm curious as you know, your different fan bases. You see different things on Twitter. You talk with different people. Do other teams' fans get as upset with, well, let's just call it GM speak, um, as you would anticipate? I'm just curious about that. I mean, at least in the giant fan base, um, they used to, like a while back. And ever since we got Farhan, or how you pronounce his name, whatever, the Heedy, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. as soon as like the first like offseason happened, like everyone jumped on the train. Like we believe in you, everything you say we take. You are basically our god now. Like it's after that first season, everyone like got that confidence in him, and so. With Barton not making it this uh, onto the opening roster this year, like he's like, yeah, he needs more at bats date like every day. We can't give that to him right now, and we understand. Like, he's like, he's pretty transparent. He's like, we understand that, like how it looks, but it's not true. And like he does a very good job at making it like actually seem legit. We're we're all fairly certain service time thing, but we're also not absolutely sure. sure. And I think that's important. And so Giants fans are like. We we think he's being like legit. Like we we have no reason not to believe him. So it, you, you'll see it a lot less in our fan base, but also we have a lot less top prospects. So like it's that's another part. Of it. Yeah, I can talk about the two the two fan bases I follow the most, which are the Marlins, and the Marlins are obviously upset. I already talked about <laughs> how they were pissed that Monty Harrison wasn't called up yet, and they started this whole campaign. So I think the Marlins that fans with. Yeah, it worked. Um, not really, but yeah. <laughs> different circumstances. Um, I think the Marlins fans would have are like have kind, they wanted them the team not to play service time. But on the other hand, the other fan base I follow is the Mets, and I think the Mets are kind of pissed that they're not playing um the service time game this year because <laughs> the most like it was super surprising that Andres Jimenez was on the opening day roster when a they already have Ahmed Rosario who was coming off a career season. He, Jimenez, I'm pretty sure, hadn't played a game above, above high A. So they lo- they're going to lose this year of service time for him. For a guy that's basically been on the bench, he's been playing third base a bit. But I think the Mets fan base would, would prefer them to have played the service time game with Jimenez at least. It's valid. Between Puck, Vasardo, and um, Murphy, they've all been too injured to play the service time game with. We haven't really had the option to uh, call them up because Puck was going to make the opening day roster out of spring training 2018. I was at the game where he tore his UCL and hit Bobby John. Oh, man. And then in 2019, Lazarda was set to make the team out of spring training, but he got – it was either a pectoral strain or a shoulder strain that shut him down. And then Murphy, he had knee issues, and then he broke his handmaid phone. And so that prevented us from calling them up earlier than we did. So I don't really know. (laughs) Some mixed bag here. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I don't know how other fan bases react, so I just wanted to ask that. Yeah, I'd imagine some (laughs) fan bases aren't as kind to their GMs as others. Yeah. That's a a topic for a different day. 
But I'm not really uh, integrated well with the uh, Padres fan base, so I don't really know how they think of brother. I do know that some people are very all in on him. But I mean, I get it. I I do get it, how fans react. Um, But at the same time, you kind of got to expect it out of your GM. Yeah. It's the games that are going to be played. It's what's going to happen. But... I think if the big played, for a lot of uh, Yeah. If you've ever played out of the park baseball, you understand how important an extra year of service time can be. <laughs> no, <laughs> DP plug. <laughs> oh, man. But no, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's but yeah. we'll move on from talking about, you know, some of the news of the league and instead talk about, you know, based on what you're watching as a fan – there's an analyst, whatever you want to talk about. Everyone's got one story. Everyone's going to have a storyline for the week. Talk about it a little bit. Talk about what you're seeing, what you're thinking about it. If anyone else has comments, feel free to go with it. And then we'll wrap it up with some of the notable upcoming series. But who wants to go first with their storyline from around the league? <laughs> Me. Oh, really? <laughs> I have no idea. All right. <laughs> So I want to try and count the times um, Laz, Laz, Yaz has said in this segment. Okay, so I'm going to talk about, talk about Mike Yastrzemski. <laughs> I said Yastrzemski, not Yaz. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I mean, if a lot of people haven't exactly followed Giants baseball the last couple of years, because let's be honest, there's really not a whole lot to watch if you're not a fan. Um, but like Mike Yastrzemski has been – our guy the last couple of years or last year and like this so far this season like we didn't he was for the Giants fans at least he we were expecting him to be the guy for us we were expecting him to be really good but no one expected him to be leading the league in war through the first 10 games yeah so Offen- like, offensive war offensive war yeah that's true depending on what you look at um, he's tied with Bieber actually I think he's ahead of Bieber now um but, I mean, he, him and uh, actually J.P. Crawford, when I used Fangrass, they're tied at the top of one war piece. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, it's wild, like, because he was a 28-year-old rookie last year. Like, debuted in May. Like, he spent seven years in the minors, I believe. And he was with the Orioles for a long time. We got him for I don't even remember what. But then we brought him up, and, like, it was the big thing was he's a Yastrzemski. Like, he's, sure. yeah, he's, like, he's yeah. a ball player, but he's a Yastrzemski. And so, like, like – Granson of Carl. Granson yeah. of Carl. And he came up and just started hitting and, like, playing well. Well, I mean, granted, players around him, I mean, he didn't have to do a whole lot to, like, be looking <laughs> great. But, like, so far this season, like, through 10 games, he has 11 walks. His um, on-base percentage, I believe, is hovering around 500. Um, yeah. At a game uh, where he had two splash hits, which is when you hit it out of the stadium into McCovey Cove, and the only other player to do that, Barry Bonds. High company. Uh-huh. Yeah. High company, indeed. Yeah. Like, and- it's been wild to, like, watch this season because, like, him – like, the Giants as a whole have been a surprising team. Like, him and Don and Solano, which is also a very small, lesser-known name, like – 
What? Marlins? Mar- former Marlin. That's the only reason I know who he is. <laughs> uh, Donnie Daryls. They started calling him. Leads the league in RBIs. Yeah, leads the league in RBIs, but like... MVP. Uh, MVP. <laughs> MVP. I mean, he keeps going. He's on pace for six war in a 60-game season. Just saying. Yeah. Hey, I drafted him in war league with my fourth pick, so I'm very happy. Absolute. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but like even like looking at the broader spectrum of war as a whole, like the guys in the top ten, like war, like are, there's a lot of surprising names up here, like Yastrzemski, J.P. Crawford, like uh, I'm sure no one expected Shane Bieber to be this good this early. Sure. Mm-hmm. Then um, like Dansby Swanson, I don't think anyone expected this. Like people are very back and forth on Dansby Swanson, in my in my experience anyway. But, like, he's worth .9 war so far through 10 games. So, I mean, and, like, guys like uh, like Mookie Betts is up there, but he's not at the very top, which a lot of people I feel like would be surprised about. Yeah. Fun fact, Acuna, Bellinger, and Yelich combined – the four today's games combined for negative .9 war. You love to see that. (laughs) (laughs) But I think another thing that's, like – that kind of goes around the whole COVID thing, like – Tie for 10th place in war is Miguel Rojas, who's played three games. <laughs> yeah. His three games is worth 0.7 war. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you're going to get a lot of these guys who, like, you would never see at the top of the leaderboards right. at any point in the season, yeah. season. That, like, it's legit. You can legitimately see them at the very top of the leaderboard all season long. With 60 games, all you got to do is get a little bit hot for a part of it. And that's what it's been like for Mike Yastrzemski. Like, he's been hot from the start of the season, and he's walking a lot. He's getting the big hits and everything. He's worth a lot of war, and it's kind of been crazy. And so I just I, – I love Mike Yastrzemski. <laughs> Clearly. Giants fan. Right, I don't Diego, know about Mike Yastrzemski, so. <laughs> Diego, are you ready for this transition? I am. So you mentioned things, you know, you're not necessarily used to seeing. You're surprised to see with a 60-game season. Yeah. I'm looking at the rundown here, and I'm seeing something from Jonah that I'm not <laughs> necessarily surprised at that he wants to talk about as his storyline for around the league. How about that for a transition? A transition. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not surprised either. <laughs> Last, um, you said ill motorized vehicles because that was a segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, um, I'm not surprised either, but I, I'm feeling very let down right now. So, yeah, in the past few years, especially last year, the Mets bullpen has put me close to extinction. Um, <laughs> Oh. And but entering this year, they were it was supposed to be the bright spot. I mean, we say this every year as a fan base that our pitching supposed to be our our bright spot. But this year specifically, without without Thor, um, with Stroman starting the DL on um, the season on the DL, we we Wheeler to the Phillies. We were looking at our bullpen to help cover that. Um, Seth Lugo was coming off an amazing year. We were hoping Diaz would be back. Um, Familia, we were, we were hoping to be back. But we also signed Dellen Betensis, who mm-hmm. obviously has had a, great, had a great career for the Yankees, and Justin Wilson, who is more known as a lefty specialist, but has pitched innings before and with the new rules, still has. But 
they have all imploded. <laughs> I was going to say, it was supposed to be a strength, wasn't it? It, it, was suppo- it was supposed to be the best, arguably the best bullpen in the league. It was supposed to be our mm-hmm. biggest strength, and it's imploded. Diaz has blown a couple of saves. Um, he's been removed from the closer role, at least for now. He pitched in the seventh earlier today um, in a low-leverage situation, so we'll see where that moves going forward. And then the next in line was Seth Lugo. Um, after he got a bunch of saves last year when Diaz did the same thing. Um, <laughs> but their game on Saturday just absolutely killed me. Um, they were up 8-2 in the fifth inning. Oh, no. And they lost 11-10, to um, including, I think, Lugo gave up three or four of those runs in the eighth or the ninth inning. It was, yeah, just, that was, it was an absolute brutal implosion. And the Mets bullpen... Like, I'm not surprised, but I am hurt. <laughs> I got one question as a uh, White Sox fan. Uh, one, or excuse, two questions. Two part, one question, whatever. I'm getting off track. Will questions. the Mets ever sell? And two, how much would it take to get Michael Conforto as a team in need of a right fielder? <laughs> a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know the Mets fan base has been saying this. They said this last year that that was the last year to really make a push. But I think they especially felt it this year. And if this continues, they're sitting at three and six, three and seven after today's game. Um, they're just imploding in on themselves. Their defense, like they we were hoping, would be better. So if this keeps up, I wouldn't be surprised if they start selling at the deadline or did you mean selling to the, or did you mean the Wilpon selling because that's selling at the that deadline that's what I thought you meant no I trust uh, me I, I I I care way more about when I can get Michael Conforto in right field than I yeah. do when the Wilpons are going to sell this team <laughs> I, I, I honestly think I mean it's hard to tell because of the circumstances this year sure. but I think this could be that if they're doing really poorly at the deadline, they might realize that this was their last shot and start selling. Who would go first? Who would go first? Yeah. If I had to bet, it would be Nimmo or Rosario. I think I will also take Brandon Nimmo. I ask you not like John Jay. No, I don't like John Jay. No. No. How about Billy Hamilton? We acquired him today. Yeah, we uh, yeah that's the move that's going to fix the season right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if, he, if he can play an extra in games, like, he can pick Yeah, we're, we're honestly just going to – we're going to have him strike out when the game's tied in the ninth with two outs and then have him start on second. You can pinch run to start the tenth. You know that, right? We That sounds a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if your bullpen keeps going games – our bullpen, we yeah, with the state of the bullpen, there's not going to be extra in games. We'll have it tied and we'll blow it. Or if you're leading and blow it, I mean, Billy Hamilton, he's going to be your guy. Yeah. Oh, God. Considering uh, <laughs> how stellar Matt's management is, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't remember they can pinch run at the start of the 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, clearly neither does the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> As a fan of Adam previously, that's why I know. Yeah. 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 Like we had him in the majors, but that's the only reason I do that. That's fair. All right. Got another good transition here. uh, 
From bullpen implosions to offensive explosions. Padres, wow. offensive explosions. Kelly, your storyline for the week. I am two for two. <laughs> so, um, I have a theory that Jace Tingler's favorite Aerosmith song is Walk This Way. Now, hear me out. The Padres, they're walking a lot. That's all my evidence. So, uh, prior to this ga- the game today, their second game... Or the third. Prior to the second of August, they were leading the MLB in Watchdrawn with forty-three. Uh, they might not be yeah. anymore. They only drew two walks in today's game against the Rockies, but still, they're averaging four point five walks a season. A season, a game. <laughs> they're averaging four point five walks a game, which is a lot better than where they were last year when they were just 26 and on base percentage. Yeah. So their patience has led to, like last said, an offensive explosion. Uh, they are, they have a plus, they, they have the best run differential in the MLB. We know that doctors have the best run differential. They have, I believe the second best run differential and it's not just because they're walking. They have the ability to kill you in other ways. They are a very strong team, very good power hitters. Um, Tatis, Bam, Machado, Myers, Hosmer, and Naylor all were above the MLB average in exit velocity last year. And Hosmer's now actually hitting the ball in the air, so he's actually good now. <laughs> they also have... <laughs> they also have a lot of speed. Um, Myers, Tatis, obviously, and Cam are all very good runners. And as of August 1st, they led the MLB in base run runs with 2.2. More than double. No, not more than doubling. Doubling the second place Texas Rangers who have just 1.1. So their walking has led to quite a lot of success because you need to challenge them to avoid walking them and them and then them yeah. beating you on the base pass but if you do that they can take you deep. Trent yeah. Grisham's been a major surprise in this way hitting a lot Absolutely. of home runs despite his yeah. wonky yeah. fans. I, I was watching I think it was the second game of the season so we're going to go back a week but at some point like it was like the eighth or ninth inning where the announcers said that through two games, the Padres had drawn 29 full counts, which I just thought was ridiculous. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore in the majors. Because you're seeing at least six pitches like at a, a full count, like minimum. Yeah. Like, if you drawn 29 through uh, two games, like you're already into a bullpen like pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. Many people thought it would be the Padres pitching both starting and relieving that would lead them to the postseason, but if this keeps up, it's going to be their offense, yeah, because the Molten isn't as stellar as many had hoped through this many games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a cool transition for mine, but (laughs) we're just going to, we're going to talk about the AL Rookie of the Year race real quick, and then we'll get into what to watch for as we wrap it up. There, there's such an easy transition there. Like the Padres are a young team. Let's talk about some young guys in the AL. 
Okay, that would have been a good one. <laughs> Come on, you're slacking, Laz. I'm slacking. I, I didn't find any good phrases. That was That's on me. <laughs> but anyway, some for me to watch for personally as well as just my storyline. A couple of real hot starts for Rookie of the Year. Um, Luis Robert was an odds-on favorite for the most part. Um, as a Sox fan, I was a little worried. Someone who <clears throat> has watched a lot of rookies come up recently and really struggled to get their footing. I was not expecting Robert to really put his name in the hat very early for rookie of the year campaign. Um, but he started off really well. I'm pretty impressed with his at bats, the quality of his at bats, the process he's going up there with. I'm very impressed by it. He's fifth in the league in war. Fun fact. Yeah. He's yeah. been hitting incredibly well. Uh, his defense speaks for itself. It's absolutely incredible out in center field. Um, He's a fun guy to watch. On the other side of things, someone – I don't know if we necessarily expected to be someone who might be pushing for AL Rookie of the Year, that being Kyle Lewis out in Seattle. Pretty hot start to yeah. the season through mm-hmm. nine games. I'm not sure if this is totally updated from today, but through nine games, 444 batting average, OBP 500, slugging 611, good for an OPS plus of a measly 216. <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe that includes today because I wrote about him in an article earlier today and had those numbers. So it doesn't include nice. today, which likely means it got better because uh, I think yeah, he hit a homer he, today. He did. Yeah, he, he did. did. So, I mean, just something to watch out for. A couple of real good starts. Um, sure he he does like have 15 strikeouts. Sorry? I'm pretty sure he's on like a 10-game hit streak right now. I mean, with 16 hits through nine games, I'd say he probably is. Yeah. But, I mean, 15 strikeouts is towards the top of the league for Lewis. It'll be interesting to see how the bat-to-ball skills continue to play throughout the year. But just an interesting storyline to watch for. uh, If any of you betters have placed any bets on Rookie of the Year campaigns, those are two early names I saw. Would you consider Pearson at all for rookie of the year? He had five. He pitched five scoreless innings. In the way he years. pitched, yeah, he's gonna put his name in there. COVID robbed us of a potent, uh, of a potential Lazardo uh, mm-hmm. rookie of the year season. And Bob Melton's robbed us of the Barreto rookie of the year season. Give him a chance. You spent what? <laughs> How many years ago was the Donaldson trade? Yeah, a while. Twenty fifteen. I think it was twenty fifteen. Wow. Been That's five years. Five years. Call him been, up. Give him a spot already. Five years ago, it, I was still living it, in California. It's been so long, I forgot that Donaldson was on the A's. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's been so long, we faced uh, the other guy in trade. He's Kendall Graveman in a game today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Some fun names there. Yeah. yeah. Those are good names. Evan White's doing pretty bad after I saw him being talked about. He's supposedly a very good center. <laughs> he has less DRS than Matt Olson, who has two. Uh, Evan, White, Evan White only has one. So if he's 80 grade, what's Olson? 81. Yeah. Very good. I will keep go. rubbing this in <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> The A's fan is coming out of Cali, clearly. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate the A's. I appreciate I do too. everything that goes I do on. too. Everything about the A's I appreciate except for their stadium. That's valid. Yeah. It's a fine stadium if you're just looking at the field. That's fair. I mean, I've been to several A's games in my life, and, you know, 
The best part's always the baseball. You don't go for the stadium. Yeah. I yeah. went to an A's game for $4. I mean. <laughs> Depending on like, the year. It was like early 2012 or 2010s, I'm pretty sure. Jeez. There was only one time I've been to a game for the stadium. It was because I was in Boston. I literally landed in – I landed – I needed to go to Fenway. I landed in Boston at like 1230 and got to the game at 130. <laughs> nice. Well, let's bring it home now, why won't we? Mm-hmm. So, we've talked a little bit about some of the storylines around the league. Y- you know, I'm running out of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. That's fair. You're good. <laughs> we got the rundown of... The some new ones might be made this uh, upcoming week. Kelly, you want to take over for me with all your <laughs> reviews over here? <laughs> sure. The uh, Padres take on the Dodgers in a... I believe it's a three-game series. Uh, the first game of which is going to be Chris Paddock versus Walker Buehler, which should be a pitching match for the ages. Doesn't get much better than that. And it's, it's just an insane matchup between two of the best young pitchers in the league. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The A's take on the Rangers, and Lizardo is going to be making his starting debut on Tuesday. So some fresh faces around the league. You got some good pitching matchups. Jonah Diego, what are you watching for this week? Um, I mean, I haven't admittedly haven't looked ahead so much as the schedule, but considering the fact that 20% of the league didn't play this weekend, I'm just excited that there will be at least 28 teams playing, hopefully all 30 if we get the Cardinals cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, Soto's finally gotten those negatives, so maybe he'll finally be back. Yeah. That's something to definitely watch. See if the Nats offense gets into a better gear with Soto in the air. Yeah. Hope for the best for them. I mean, for me, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm watching my Giants, but I mean, <laughs> mostly for Giants-Rockies. The Giants are heading to Colorado. I mean, with MLB war leader Mike <laughs> <laughs> Offensive war, depending I'm on mute you. Tell you what you're using. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they've had some uh, a couple of hot bats um, and a couple of really slow ones too. Hunter Pence uh, got his first hit today. He started, I believe, all but two games so far this season. Uh, so I mean, Coors is a great place to get the bats started. And plus, the f- fact that um, the NL West, if the ACs end today, holds um, four playoff teams. I mean, it's it's gotten to be a decent uh, game to watch, probably offensively. Um, I don't know how well pitching is going to be, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a, a series to watch uh, considering that, like uh, Callie had mentioned, the Padres and the Dodgers are facing together too. So you can have a lot of uh, switching in position in the NL West this week. Yeah. What's the old Daniel Bard pitch? Daniel Bard, what a guy. Yeah, what a fun story that is. What what's the over under for um, MVP mentions of Yaz next week in next week's podcast episode? <laughs> if you I'm know, not here, <laughs> if Diego's here, I'll go like six and a half. If he's not, I don't think I'm definitely taking the over. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the over on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, what a guy. For me though, nothing crazy. I mean, the Sox play the Brewers, which kind of uh, that's a fun series. Combines my storylines with Yelich getting off to such a slow start, seeing if he can finally pick it up and uh, help a Brewers team that's found its way in the playoffs picture somehow through ten games, despite really not having their main contributor coming out on the offensive side and 
You know, their there's been plenty of good. their pitching's been good. There's plenty of question marks with it, but it's been absolutely yeah. good. So I feel good to see them. And Kiara has been also fast start. Yeah. And seeing them now without Kane. Yeah, Kane and now yeah. Braun went on the DL. So it, it's a team with a lot of question marks, a lot of holes right now, just because of the situation presented to them. But I'm especially looking forward to seeing Yelich and. Hopefully he doesn't pick it up in the next four games, but, you know, if he wants to pick it up in the three after that, that would be fantastic. If he wants to go one for four, 40 days, like, that's fine. Yeah, he can go one for four, nothing too crazy. I just hope those games actually get off. Yeah. 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 That's a valid concern. I don't know. It's something to watch for. It's something to watch around the league is as these games start picking up again. And as you start hearing more and more names start all getting connected together, see what games start getting canceled. And, you know, it's not a fun situation, but something that we'll uh, it's a real continue situation. to monitor. Yeah, it's a real I, situation. I, I think that if they get to another point where 20% of the teams aren't playing on any given weekend, that the season it'll will cancel. probably be canceled. It'll, it'll, it'll really depend on, you know, which teams aren't playing – what the situation for those teams looks like. I, I, I don't know what it will take to cancel the season. I think we all kind of say we know, or it's yeah. kind of like, this is the, this is it. This is the end. I, I don't know what it's going to take. Just um, play video games all day. Video games. Yeah. Video games. <laughs> go to the ballpark, watch some baseball, play some baseball, go to the hotel, play video games, play some more video games. I mean, that's what we've all been doing throughout this entire mm-hmm. COVID concern and yeah, uh, COVID environment anyway. So, But, yeah. ladies, gentlemen, baseball fans, welcome to the end of Diamond Digest this week in baseball, episode one. As you've made it all the way through, we want to thank you for joining us. We want you to stay tuned as we continue these throughout the weeks of the season, no matter how many of them we get. You can follow us at DiamondDigest.com, at DiamondDigest on Twitter. You'll listen to this wherever podcasts can be found. And we'll make sure to put this on YouTube, too, where we hope you're watching mm-hmm. all our funny expressions as we've gone through this one. It makes a lot more sense when you can see us rather than just hear us. <laughs> yeah. That's but true. for Cali's side, Diego Franco Carreno and Jonah Keane, this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care. Enjoy your days. And go baseball as always. Let's hope we get a season. Take care. Okay, baseball. Amen. Go yeah, that's baseball. the wrong. Why not? <laughs> we just want some baseball. Yeah, absolutely.